0: This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's
1: digital channel Carnival.
2: I'm Peter Holden and welcome to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This program is also available as a podcast by going to SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and also by the iHeartRadio website and app. Coming up on this week's show, our featured guest will be the 2018 Lisa Hardiman medalist and now West Coast Eagle, Chantala Pereira that's coming up very shortly and also for the first time in 2020 we'll be catching up with coach Kiwi Lisa Roper as she takes out her crystal ball she'll be having a look at the teams in Conference A and their chances of making it through to the finals but first here's the latest women's footy news First of all, to the Melbourne Football Club. And Bianca Jacobson has withdrawn from the 2020 AFLW season after deciding to focus on her Victorian Police Force Academy training, struggling to balance work and football commitments. It is hoped that Bianca will be back for 2021. Another player also sitting out the season is Adelaide forward Ruth Wallace, who's withdrawn for 2020 due to personal reasons. At the Western Bulldogs, utility Ashley Guest will have a delayed start to the season. After suffering ligament damage in her left knee and ankle, uh, she will be wearing a leg brace for the next uh, four to six weeks. Practice matches are on the card this weekend for the AFLW. Five games on the Saturday and two on the Sunday. Now, all times that will follow are local times. Collingwood and Melbourne on Saturday, 10 a.m. at the Holden Centre, otherwise known as uh, Olympic Park Oval. 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, the Western Bulldogs will play host to Geelong in their practice match at VU Witten Oval. At 11 a.m. at Icon Park, it'll be Carlton versus North Melbourne. Up in Queensland at Southport Oval, 12 p.m., Gold. Coast versus St Kilda and over in WA in Mandurah, David Gray's Arena at 4pm on Saturday, it's Fremantle versus Adelaide. On the Sunday, the 26th of January GWS Giants versus the Brisbane Lions at Tom Wills Oval at 9am while at 1pm on Sunday afternoon Richmond play host to West Coast at Punt Road Oval in the final of the seven AFLW practice matches before the season kicks off on February 7th. To our featured guest for this week. We last spoke with her back in 2017 during her debut year with the then Box Hill Hawks in the VFLW. That was after crossing over from basketball, where she had won four championships in the WNBL, two with the Bendigo Spirit and two with the Canberra Capitals. Post our interview, she would go on and have an outstanding 2018, including winning a VFLW Premiership with Hawthorne And in that grand final, being awarded the Lisa Hardiman medal for best on ground. In October last year, during the AFLW draft, she'd have to be patient. Her name wouldn't be called out until pick 101. And now this year, she begins her AFLW career with the West Coast Eagles. It's great to have back on the line, Chantella Pereira. Chantella, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the line. I want to flash back to when we were last speaking to you in 2017 for the Box Hill Hawks, a slow start, and then got some wins going near the end of the season. Could you imagine how the next two years in your footy career was going to turn out back at that moment?
0: (laughs) Uh, Definitely not. Uh, I think footy was definitely, um, I guess, just a bit more of a leisurely passion, um, and was just taking it in as I got, went, went along. And, um, yeah, gosh, it's I, I never thought I'd be sitting in Perth, uh, yeah, just about to embark on an ASL job season.
2: Before we talk about your present day right now at the West Coast Eagles, let's talk the build-up to getting there. Season 2018, a few new recruits join you there as Box Hill becomes Hawthorne through the rebrand, still playing out at Box Hill City Oval, still Patrick Hill as the coach, was there a certain change in vibe or something that you could sense in the air heading into what would be your premiership year? Of this time, we're going to make a run at it.
1: <laughs> I think
0: we were just a really close group of girls. I think we um, we had a special bond. I guess forming that first Box Hill women's team, and then pretty much all of us went through into that uh, the new Hawthorne side. I guess we we uh, essentially. Took a lot on a lot, lot of the Eastern Devils girls into um, into
1: Hawthorn and
0: yeah we I guess we all gelled really nicely and I think we uh, yeah we had a we had a run and and we connected really well as a team um, both on and off the field and I think that was really important down the line when we were going into that finals campaign.
2: You had two different captains under your tenure There, you had, uh, at least for 2017 2018, pardon me. In 2017, you had uh, Melissa Kyes as captain, who then had come out of Knox, and then Emma Mackey, who took over as captain in 2018. They'd both ironically be now with St Kilda's AFLW list. Um, is there a similarity in the styles of captaincy between uh, Melissa and Emma, or are they very different uh, in their approach? Uh, I think each in their
0: own right has their own uh, their own skills and and personalities that made them really great captains um, and, and tan last year as our captain, who also went to the Saints. Um, I think all, all of them have uh, got, you know, really strong characteristics and leadership qualities that I guess, brought us all together. And, and um, I guess Em really led us to, to that premiership and, you know, she's a good friend of mine and, um, we are long range. And I think, you know, she really brought us together as a team, and, and Mel started that off in the foundation. Um, I think we we're just a close unit, and I think um, they were they were our natural leaders, but I think we all had, um, you know, there were leaders within the group, and um, we all played our role, and, and they just really brought us together and, and made sure that we were playing as a unit on, on game day, and um, you know, keeping us, um, you know, motivated and inspired and reminded us why we do this. And that was really important as we went along the,
2: the season. So taking two of your points, one being a natural leader and the other one, of course, being when the Eastern Devils, uh, I wouldn't call it merged, but a number of their players crossed over after they left the VFLW to then join Hawthorne in 2018. Yeah. Prior to the 2018 season, you already had a reputation as a lockdown defender, but how much of an influence did Meg Hutchins have on your game when she joined in 2018, knowing the uh, many years of success she had as a defender, not only with the Eastern Devils, but also Collingwood AFLW and a Victorian state representative? Yeah, look, Hutchins
0: has been amazing. She's um, a brilliant footballer and she's um, so talented, but also just a really great mentor and She's really coached me over the years, and um, she's, uh, we've stayed in touch, and we're also good friends. And uh, yeah, she's definitely influenced my footy a lot. Um, she's definitely spent some time out on the field with me, just really refining my craft. I think that was just a real big area that I found challenging crossing over from that to footy, and just being able to um, hone in on those skills and. And also just teach me the game. I think, you know, you watch footy all your life as a fan, but it's always different when you're out there on the field trying to actually play the game. Um, And she's been just really great in terms of mentoring both myself and I know a lot of other girls on the team. And she's a natural coach and a natural leader. And um, I think she's got a – she's having a great career as a football player, but I think she's got a a long and and prosperous career as a coach in the future.
2: We all hit a certain part of the season when we know what our fate's going to be as a team. If you have a few losses and, okay, this is going to be a struggling year, we're not going to make the finals, there might be an up-and-down team, and then all of a sudden you've got a team that's got some momentum, they've got a roll on. For yourselves at Hawthorne heading into that 2018 premiership, what part of the season do you think... Okay, we might be we might be a shot here at winning the flag, and and what effect does that have through the group? Once all of a sudden, one by one, you start to think we could do this.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure um, we thought about it greatly through the season. I think coming off the year where you barely won a game, I think we we really went into every match day, uh, just trying to focus on that match and win that that day. I think. Um, I guess obviously as we we went through the season and and continued to do well, we we were excited about the prospect of playing us. But I think for us, it, the goal was you know I I think the goal was obviously always to win a premiership. But I think for us, it was one step at a time, and I think taking everything as it came was really important for us to not be I guess overwhelmed and and thinking too far ahead that the premiership is on the line. So I think that's part of the reason for us. That is that we really just focus on that moment. And I think when you come off a season like the previous one where you don't have the luxury of of that many wins, um, you really take it um, take it as it comes and appreciate um, each win as, as you go through them.
2: On that morning of grand final days, you got ready to take on uh, Geelong for the VFLW Premiership for yourself, were you a bag of nerves or were you actually rather calm knowing that even though it was a different sport, you've been in this big game scenario before winning four titles in the WNBL?
0: Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty calm. I'm, I'm not someone who gets overly nervous um, in general. So I, I you know, kind of stuck to my game routines and um, you know went through the... Usual things. Obviously, things are pretty different when you rock up to Marvel Stadium to play play a match as opposed to Box Hill to the Oval. Um, but yeah, I think for me it was just really knowing my role and what I had to do, and um, trying to stay focused on that and and not be too, um, I guess, overwhelmed by the occasion. Um, I think Patty really prepared us for that day and um, really set us up um, mentally to know what was coming and, and we really prepped ourselves for that moment so that we when we ran onto that field, I, I felt really comfortable and, and it just, I guess, you know, when it's your day, don't you? Because I, I think from the moment we got there, everything just ran really smoothly and um, things, yeah, they played out obviously how we wanted them to. Um, and yeah, just, I think sticking to that plan was just really part of that, um, part of the success of that day.
2: You would end up taking home the Lisa Hardman medal for best on ground in the grand final. Two thoughts on that. One, what was your original thought when they called out your name? And two, later on, hearing back from an interview when your coach, Paddy Hill, says, normally I don't agree with these awards and how they're selected, but he went, I thought the selectors were 100% bang on today.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love Patty. I mean, he's been my number one supporter all we'll through this and big credit to him on to, I guess, receiving that award and how I played that day, is, is the, how he's coached me and helped me develop as a player. Um, I guess when they read out my name, obviously I was just shocked. As a, as a defender, I, it's pretty unusual, I think, to get that, get that uh, award and... Um, yeah, I, I guess I've never seen myself as that kind of player in the team. For me, it's just always just playing my role and, and trying to do what I can to help the team. So, uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and it was obviously a great honour and i um, very humbled and privileged to have received it. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a, a lovely moment to capture a really amazing season.
2: Let's talk about the drafts leading up to the 2019 draft. In 2017, it was mentioned in an article, you kind of at the last moment just went for it. At 2018, you were ignored. Was it hard to take in 2018 knowing that, hey, I've just come off a premiership, best on ground, that's normally a great resume to get picked up. How did you take that when the name wasn't called out? Uh,
0: I'm okay. I was really fine with it. I don't think, um, I I guess, being in a different stage of my career and life, um, AFLW hasn't been part of, I guess, the, the goals and, and the immediate dreams. So I think for me, it's just always um, enjoying what what came to me and, and what was there at the time. Um, obviously, I, w- I wouldn't have ever said no, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, I kind of knew I, I didn't really expect to be drafted. Um, so, I guess I'd I had a good game in the grand final, but um, you know I think there's a lot of other things that go into being drafted. So um, I was kind of fine with it. I, I did take that off season and and I guess had a thought of do I actually want to give it a crack or um, am I kind of just happy doing what I'm doing? Um, so I did go away in the off season after that grand final and you know did some work with the Hawks coaches and. I guess, had a bit of a plan to just work on the skills that I thought I was um, lacking in and more just to help my game and just to know that I could I could be a better player and, and contribute better to Hawthorne. And if that resulted in being drafted in the future, I think that was, I guess, um, a bit more part of the plan as opposed to previously I just kind of went, went to training and, and just uh, I hope for the best so it's probably just a little bit more structure uh, post that 2018
2: draft. Let's turn to your West Coast Eagles era as we can call it now. We were quite surprised on draft day, not that your name was called out, we thought it was a worthy name surely to be called out but you were headed <laughs> off to WA so how did the initial contact happen for you to end up nominating for the WA pool? Uh,
0: look i been Adam Selwood from the Eagles reached out uh, sometime through the NFL season and uh, just reached out to have a chat and uh, I guess initially I was pretty hesitant um, obviously my life and career and everything's in Melbourne um, so I was quite reserved in, um, in I guess the initial approach um, but he was a, very good at high um, guess, selling their program and their dream and, and what their um, vision was for West Coast and um, yeah to be honest he did an amazing job of taking me through that and and showing me what the club is about and it kind of really opened my eyes to what's out there and um, I guess what other opportunities there are for me so yeah it was it was unexpected um, and definitely, I guess as you said um, two years ago, I never would have thought to be here. But yeah, I, I think they have it's quite an amazing club and to be able to be taken through that process and to see, I guess, what this club is about and what their values and brand is, it really resonated with me as a person and uh, I felt at home kind of immediately. So it felt a much easier choice after spending some time with him and, and a other of people at the club and, and understanding what they do.
2: And a little bit of patience as well, having to wait to pick 101 till they called your name
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a bit of patience. Um, I guess I, I kind of knew I was going to go very late um, or, or very last. <laughs> um, but that was all right. I, I'm I guess there's always a moment where you go, oh, I hope it's what they say it's going to be. But, yeah, I felt confident. I mean, Adam's been great in just communicating and things. Um, but, yeah, it was obviously a wait on draft day, sitting in Melbourne at work um, with one of my friends. And, yeah, we just sitting quickly ducked out from the meeting and sat in the room and, and watched the draft on the laptop. So, um, yeah, it was it was still a a very surreal moment when they call your name out, um, whether the last or not, I guess. Um, I'm here, so that was the
2: post, <laughs> Now, for sites like West Coast and, for example, the Gold Coast interstate sites, that's the sites outside of Victoria, that do um, have uh, of the competition, and no doubt Port Adelaide and Sydney, et cetera, will all join shortly. They have to try and draw some talent, not only from their own backyard, but obviously from the interstate clubs, if they're to be competitive. So, for you as a person that moves to WA, can you outline for us some of the things that they help you with with your transition to set up a life over there in Perth?
0: Been really lucky that they've. Um, you know, I was really upset about. I've got a I've got a busy job, and um, it wasn't something I was, I guess, willing to give up at this stage. Um, but, Obviously, where I am in, in life and, and career, um, a really big part of the decision to move over here was that I could continue to do my job as as normal. Um, they've been really flexible in, in working out training programs so I can train remotely when I'm in Melbourne or um, wherever I need to be. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky I have a workplace that is very flexible as well and and. They work together on on how I do things and what my schedule looks like. Um, so there's been heaps of, I guess, flexibility and accommodation to make sure I can balance both both careers. Um, and just the setup and the structure of how they support me has been um, really incredible. Just from the physio to the strength and conditioning to just the coaching connections um, and the way I learn. Technology really helps, things like that, so I think um, it's probably a modern way of training and and being in a footy club, but um, I think it's really important, especially without being a full-time footy player and and being able to juggle a career as well, I think it's a really good example of how a club and um, a company can work together to be able to allow female footballers like myself to be able to do both. I kind of hope that that's a really good example that we can set to show, um, I guess, other businesses and other clubs how it can be done so girls can continue to do that as as we grow towards full-time professional athletes. I think, um, yeah, it's really exciting and it's great to see the club be so supportive of this model um, and really do everything in their power to make sure that, I can have everything I can and and feel really well supported wherever I am, whether I'm in Perth or Melbourne or travelling around doing, doing what I need to do.
2: You're one of a few imports that the club has got, uh, including Mattia Collier, who's moved from New South Wales over to WA. A fellow Victorian in Haley Bullis has uh, moved across to join you at the Eagles. Uh, Talia Radden, who was at Adelaide, of course, was in Melbourne last year, has now moved over to WA. A couple of Irish women, the sisters Grace and Neve Kelly, joining you there. So, who has been, I guess, your guide or chauffeur around Perth to try and a get you used to the area, but b try and make you feel part of the community that uh, that is going to be your team?
0: Yeah, look, um, we're an amazingly co- close group. Um, so, Talia and we all live uh, in the same complex, so we're all really nice and close. Um, a lot of the other girls, um, local girls, live in the area we live, so it's been, um, yeah, they've embraced us with open arms, and um, Perth's an absolutely beautiful place to to be and spend your summer time. So we have uh, had some lovely trips to the beach and local cafes and we quickly found all of our spots. So, yeah, the girls, have all of them have been incredible from the day we got here. They've had dinners and taken us out for, yeah, coffees and um, shared us all the all the cool places to be. So, it's, um, yeah, it's been really nice. Um, all the girls have welcomed us really well, and, and all the sports stuff. So they've, um, yeah, they've taken us under their wing. Um, I, I'm almost just local sometimes. I feel. <laughs>
2: let's talk about a comparison between uh the hawks of course when they started out as box hill and the west coast Eagles. so you're at the start of two programs you're at the start when box hill kicked off and they're trying to set up everything and you're at the start where west coast is trying to set up everything is there similarities to where they are in their development stage or just being an aflw club west coast is just i guess so far ahead of what the hawks were originally were as an organization in 2017
0: and yeah, obviously, being the FLW program is a, I guess, a different level that needs to be worked to. Um, you know, we're playing in a national program, as to Victorian, but I think the common thing across both clubs, and that's probably why I, you know, I'm firmly entrenched in Hawthorne still, and and I guess really happy at West Coast. is I think culture is the biggest part for both clubs, and. I think they're both family orientated clubs and I think they both view that as the most important thing uh, to, to each of them. And I think it's been a really big part of how they've set up their programs and, and how they want to set up that foundation. It's a really unique opportunity to be able to set up a football, I guess, a football team within a club um, from the outset and have the ability to shape things um, from a blank canvas, which, you know, isn't often the case. Um, so I think both Hawthorne and West Coast have done a really amazing job at setting those foundations and, and I guess connecting with the players and getting their input. I think both, you know, Boxer, Hawthorne and, and here, um, there's been a really big drive on on how do the players, I guess, drive this and that it comes from us and that's really shaped from who's in this program and, and aligning, I guess, with the club values as well. So, I think they've, um, yeah, I can say there are different things, um, obviously different clubs do things differently, but I think underlying both of, um, all the, I guess, logistics and operations, um, I think they've, they've both really nailed that part of, of their program.
2: And another comparison I also just want to have a look at, how does the training, obviously just showing up uh, for when you're required to at the club, plus obviously the things you've got to do outside of your um, training at the club to prepare your body and fitness, etc., for match day, how does that compare compared to the requirements you were doing at a national level in the WNBL and also in the college system when you were at Fresno State over in California? Um, yeah, look,
0: it's really similar, actually, and I think that's probably why I've, I've found it um, I guess easy to to slot into the system and it hasn't been too much of a shock for me. Um, yeah, I think the professionalism from West Coast is is uh, very high, and you know we've, we've got a beautiful facility out at Last Lane, it's brand new, and we have all the uh, all the state of the art uh, equipment and resources that we need. So I guess recovery and training and weights and everything's all in one place, which I think is really similar to the college system, which I think has just been a really nice way to get back into things for me and get into a rhythm and a structure day-to-day. Obviously, with WNBL, it's a little bit different. Um, probably just don't have the luxury of those resources at that level, but in terms of, I guess, training load and schedules and things like that, it's pretty similar in terms of that. um obviously, in basketball, you, you play a lot more matches than in footy, so um, it's a little bit different logistically, but... Yeah, I think in terms of the scheduling and the loading, they're all very similar. So um, it's been a little bit of an adjustment just to go back into that space to be after taking like the few years out of that um, fully professional life. But um, probably like riding a bike a little bit, just get back on and, and keep pedaling.
2: You've had the experience of being that cross crater that's now switched to playing Aussie rules. How do you assess so far the uh, switch for? obviously the Gaelic Footballing Sisters, Grace Cully and Neve Cully, and also Mika Carter as well, who came from a rugby union background and she's doing the switch to Aussie rules.
0: Yeah, it's been awesome to see those girls get out there and, you know, they play their first ever match of AFL footy on the weekend. Um, and I was just so proud and so impressed to see them get out there and, and really shine. I think um, you know, they've really been um, taught to play to their strengths and I just do what comes natural to them and I think LD and the coaching staff have done a really good job in just allowing them to take their time and foster their skills and it's it's pretty daunting when you come across from another code because you've been at such an elite level all your life in, in one sport and then to come across another code where I guess you just, you're just so green at what you do um, and it's such a different feeling um, but I think the way they've approached it and um, tackled it, <laughs> right, as you say, um, it's been, yeah, it's just it's really nice to see and, and the way we've got the coaches approached them and I think the way we support them as teammates. Um, yeah, I think it's exciting to see and I think they'll be really ones to watch across the season because they're, they're pretty talented girls. Um, so it'll be exciting to see them get out there and show them what, what they can do.
2: And for yourself personally, how did it feel to have that first, um, I guess, kind of official hit out, having that what they're calling match simulation against a Fremantle on the weekend?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, look, it was good for to the to girls. I didn't actually get out there on the weekend; um, I was having a bit of rest. But um, yeah, it was good to finally see all the girls out in action. I think more especially because um, there's a lot of WA girls here, and, and I'm just not, um, you know, not being from here and having to play. Um, where they're all so used to seeing each other in the Rock ball, W and, um, and having grown up together. I think, um, I guess it's week in, week out when you train together and play match team uh, training, um, it's obviously very different when you see it out on match day. So it was just really nice to see all the girls out there and um, you know, all the hard work of pre-season just kind of getting out onto the field and seeing it all play out was, was really nice and to see how we connected as a team um, against a different team a different opposition um, was, yeah, it
2: was really pleasing to see. And I think, yeah, lots of good signs for the season ahead. You talk about the uh, WAFLW girls. Um, what is the game they've been most talking about? Has it been, A, the debut match of the Eagles against the Pies here in Victoria, or is it the round two game where you'll be at Optus Stadium, the first ever official AFLW derby in WA?
0: Ah, uh, look, there's probably just lots of excitement in general. Um, I think us as a playing group, we're just focused on, on the week ahead and what's ahead of us. But, you know, there's a, I guess there's a great buzz around uh, Perth and there's just uh, that club and, you know, everyone's excited. It's such a, I guess, got such a rich history and such a strong membership base and fan group. I think um, our fans will obviously be very excited to see us out um, at Optus and, in our first home match ever, um, but obviously round one is going to be a very special day for the club and for um, us. Playing, good. Um, you know, to be out there as the inaugural team in uh, in a West Coast Eagles game is, is going to be a very special moment. So, I don't think uh, much will take away from that. But I think, yeah, that they'll both be very momentous occasions um, in their own right.
2: Obviously, being in Victoria, we don't get to see what's really happening over in the WA press. So what has it been like being in that two-team state? Have you felt a little bit of the microscope on you? Have you felt the hype around the team as you get only just a few weeks out now from the debut? Uh, yeah,
1: look, pretty, pretty
0: massive over here. Um, I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely, um, I've learnt the, the, the two-club uh, rivalry and um, there's yeah, obviously a lot of passion that goes into being a supporter of footy over here. Um, obviously in Victoria we, we have so many clubs, so it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it's great. I think it's so it's such a great feeling and such a great energy around here, and um, you know everybody just loves football. And I think the fact that everyone's waiting for it, um, it's obviously been a big summer of cricket, and, and everyone loves when AFL comes around. So I think it's an exciting time. Um, for us to kick it off with the women's season. Um, both clubs, I guess, really embracing both women's teams um, and the men's teams together. I think it's been really fun to be around and, and be part of. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the town, I guess it's a small town feeling in here. So you can, um, you know, you can get a real sense of what is coming around the corner pretty soon.
2: Luke Dwyer is your coach. This will be his debut year as well in the AFLW. Each coach would love to obviously win a premiership in their debut year, but that would be—it's a very difficult job to do. So, what does he set as the smaller, realistic goals? What does he say that, leaving aside the wins and losses, what does he hope the group will achieve in year one? Yeah, look, it's definitely about
0: connecting as a as a group, and um, I think you know. Premierships, the results of things that happen across a multitude of different different aspects. Um, I think, yeah, for us, it's about, you know, really establishing ourselves and creating that foundation for, you know, years to come. And, and obviously, we'll be striving for a, as much success as we can. But I think, you know, we've, we've got a very young group, and for us to be able to learn to play with each other and, and understand AFLW footy and I guess really playing to our brand and and what we believe we um, are best at and really being able to play our brand of footy is what's really important to us as a team and that's what LD um, communicates to us each day and and we need to focus on that and I think the success and the results will come um, in the end and I think they're the small things that we know we can control um, and we'll try and control those things as much as we can throughout
2: the season. And one last question, Chantella, before we let you go, as we mentioned at the top, you had a lot of success in basketball, those championships in the WNBL, a premiership, and Lisa Hardiman medal with Hawthorne in 2018. But what will it mean to you when one day you'll sit down at the computer, you'll start typing your name into Google, and it will say (laughs) Chantella Pereira, AFLW footballer?
0: <laughs> Look, it's pretty surreal. I, I like, I guess as a little kid, I was just so held on on a basketball, and that's, I been my identity for so long. So, um, yeah, sometimes I just pinch myself that I'm doing this and I'm here. And, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of what I've been able to achieve so far. And, and me being an W footballer, I guess it's probably just about how I can give back on all my experiences and, and see how I can help all the younger kids. And there's a big reason of why I came over here and, and um, part of what I can give back to this team and help help them structure their program. So, yeah, to be able to see, uh, I guess, an AFLW footballer next to my name, uh, it will mean a lot of things to me. So I think, um, yeah, I'll, I'll always feel pretty proud and, and – uh, yeah, very humbled that I've had this opportunity and I'm very grateful for it because it's, it's um, not handed out to everyone. And um, yeah, very thankful that West Coast has given me this opportunity. And I look forward to hopefully uh, providing some um, success for them and, and um, hopefully some, some other good things can come along with that A4W player
1: next Monday.
2: Well, Chantella, thank you very much for joining us again here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best in your upcoming debut game and your whole career in the AFLW with the West Coast Eagles.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
2: We'll have more Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival coming up in just a moment. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. It's time to get out the crystal ball and take a look into the fortunes of the sides partaking in AFLW 2020. The competition has expanded from 10 to 14 teams. And we still have conferences, for better or for worse, Conference A and Conference B. And the person that's going to take a look into it brought us her kiss of death last year. It's time for Coach Kiwi's crystal ball. And we've got on the line Sydney women's football legend, assistant coach with the Eastern Rangers, the under-18s, and a member of the Collingwood Football Club coaching staff, Lisa Coach Kiwi Roper. Coach Kiwi, how are you?
1: Hello, hello, hello. Very good, thank you. Happy New Year and um, happy footy season that's about to hit us. Woo-hoo.
2: Happy New Year to you too. Now, I need to seriously ask the question first are you safe? Are you okay? Because we saw a number of uh, photos from you during the Christmas New Year's break. You were caught around the whole bushfire mess.
1: Yes, we had a little bit of fun on the um, south coast of New South Wales. We were sort of little in a little spot that got surrounded by um, by the smoke and fires closed in on us. We had a couple of scary moments and um, we are sort of cut off from the rest of the world for a few days, but um, you get by. We um, still managed to t- take the paddle boards out in the water for a couple of sessions. So, um, and we played plenty of um, Scrabble, Scrabble when the power went out and <laughs> the things that you do to pass time. But, um, but yeah, we're all good now and I'm pretty sure I've managed to wash the smoke out of my hair, so... Um, we are back on track.
2: I was cheekily going to add that, um, of course, you used to being cut off from the rest of the world. You did grow up in New Zealand.
1: <laughs> hey, we weren't we're not cut off. We just um, hide away down there, all the secret good stuff. <laughs>
2: Well, let's get out the crystal ball if that hasn't been damaged and let's have a look into it. For the, for the for the 2020 AFLW season, there's going to be 14 teams instead of 10. Now, I'll ask you the question straight off the bat because you've had a bit to do with under-18s football. First of all, as assistant coach for the Eastern Rangers, and then last year as part of the coaching staff with Collingwood in the VFLW. What do you think of the death? Was there enough death? for four new teams to enter the competition will it drop a bit or will it stay or will it improve this year
1: very good question Um, depth wise I think there's some extremely talented young players that have been drafted um, without a doubt and there's even more in probably this later this year later the 2020 season draft which will be a very small draft and you know coming through the, the next couple of years there's some really good players coming through so I don't think the standard is going to drop at all. I think probably for the new teams, they've got some young ones. It'll just be more about finding their feet. Um, But, yeah, I think it's just onwards and upwards from here. And, um, you know, there'll be some good continuity over the next few years now that that contract is locked in place and um, these teams can just establish that playing base and that familiarity with each other. And uh, I think it's going to be great.
2: So we're going to start off by looking at Conference A first, then Conference B, and we're going to go in alphabetical order through each conference. So that means, by luck, we are going to start with the reigning premiers, the Adelaide Crows. Now, if things weren't bad enough at the end of the grand final last year, despite obviously winning the premiership, Chloe Shear went down with the ACL, Aaron Phillips went down with the ACL, um, Hannah Martin isn't playing, as we know, um, this year. Uh, they've lost a few players, uh, some quality players, including Jess Allen, who's gone to GWS. Jasmine Hewitt's gone to the Gold Coast. Jenna McCormack's focusing on duties with um, with the Matildas. Um, Sarah Perkins was delisted. Caitlin Rosenway was delisted. Jess Seddon, ended up at St. Kilda. And then, of course, to add to all of that... Chelsea Randall goes down with an ACL during the pre-season. Jeez, what, what did they do to the Premiership Cup? Did they walk under a ladder with it or something?
1: <laughs> yes, you'd start to wonder that, wouldn't you? Look, you know, um, losing the two in the grand final with ACL is pretty pretty tough anyway, and especially for what Aaron brings, I think, is, is something a little bit special to the team. But, um, yeah, they've been hit pretty hard, I think, Losing Chelsea is probably the biggest, um, battle or the biggest hole that's going to be left in that, in that playing side. Um, you know, I think, you know, Jenna, Jenna is doing fantastic with the Matildas and I've actually gone and watched her play one of the games and she was outstanding. I think actually her debut match. So, um, it's a bugger, but she is excelling in another sport and we wish her well. Um, and you know, the other players, you hope they go well wherever they are. I know Jess is up in Sydney and I'm sure she's getting a bit of tan than Sarah now if the um, Allens can call that a tan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah Chelsea's probably probably um, the one that will probably hurt the most and um, it's good to see she's staying around so she's going to do a bit of coaching with the midfield group with, um, with McLeod so I think that'll be you know, fantastic for her in the future and I uh, hope she hurries back to, um, to playing because um, I just think she's exciting to watch as well. Um, but you know they've also got Courtney Gum, who's doing their list, and she's pretty handy. And you know she is an Adelaide girl, and being able to stay at home and get fit this year, um, I think you know we might see a bit more um, of the good form that we saw the first year she was Giants, um, and that's a huge in for them. Um, you know they've got Ailish Considine back, who's um, I think another season wiser with the overboard. I think she'll be exciting. And they've got some very handy forwards too. So that's just a matter of, um, you know, if their midfield can bring that ball forward, they've got some good forwards that'll get the goal. So I think they'll still be up there. Um, I'm not sure, you know, maybe with if Aaron can make it back for a couple of games, it'll be interesting if they can do enough to stay at the top of that um, pool, really. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't take Adelaide lightly at all.
2: The only concern, obviously, with Erin was as she was coming back, she had some minor pain in her knee and required some minor surgery. So we don't know, A, how long that will uh, prolong her coming back. There was an expectation she could come back earlier because of the elite athlete that she is, particularly over the many years of playing in the WNBL and the WNBA. So her body was at uh, full physical fitness. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly um, the clock is ticking. And th- th- as you said, the question is when she comes back, do they have enough wins under their belt to make a go at the finals? This, this is an interesting question that I'll, I'll pose to you, Kiwi. You're talking about an eight game season. Let's say Aaron is on track to come back. Let's say round four, round five, halfway mark of the season. If you've dropped your first three or four, and it looks like you're not going to make finals. Do you bring it back for the last four? Or do you say, let's just set out the year right off?
1: Oh, now that's a tricky one because there's not that many rounds. You could possibly still lose that, you know, three or four matches and then be able to get on, excuse me, be able to get onto a winning streak and get enough to finish high enough in your pool to make those playoffs. Um, is kind of probably what frustrated most people last year is You know, some teams didn't win particularly too many, but they were high enough in their pool to get the crossover matches in the final. So um, there is that potential, and um, yeah, it would pose an interesting question to see how her rehab is, um, knowing that she is an older player. But I think, yeah, she's elite enough that she would, I'd put money on her being able to make it back, to be honest
2: also taken in the draft by the way for um the Adelaide Crows they picked up Montana McKinnon a highly rated uh, under 18s footballer out of South Adelaide as she was at pick number 14 and also I note there that they uh got at pick number 37 was Nashua Allen out of Norwood but she originally came out of Canberra if I'm correct and was the Sandful W uh, best in Ferris last year yeah well that's
1: a that's a good little grab isn't it and um I guess being that they're the only team in South Australia to gives them that little bit of extra, um, kind of like the Giants in New South Wales, I guess, is you know, you've got that little bit of extra connection to these young talents down there. You don't have to share um, them around so much um, and be able to grab that, you know, the best spark in the team. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she goes stepping up to the big game.
2: At the end of our look at Conference A, I'll get you to uh, Crystal Ball, your top three that will proceed through to the final stage. But a likely or unlikely response I want, uh, want from you. The Adelaide Crows making the finals. Likely or unlikely? Likely. So... There we are, the Adelaide Crows. All these injuries, but uh, you think they are likely to make it. Let's have a look at the second team, the Brisbane Lions, as we go in alphabetical order through Conference A. In fact, they'll front off against the Adelaide Crows in Brisbane uh, in Round 1. We'll talk about that match in just a moment's time. But for the Brisbane Lions last year, only the two wins. If they'd actually beaten Collingwood, in that last game of Vic Part they could have snuck into the finals. So they were very unlucky, despite the amount of players that they've lost... They've been raided again. They've lost about half their list. They lost uh, Mackenzie Darragh to the West Coast Eagles. Bella Air decided to retire. Um, you've also got uh, Lauren Bella went to the Gold Coast. Nat Exxon and Kate McCarthy went to St. Kilda. Sabrina Frederick went to Richmond. Tory Groves Little went across the Gold Coast. Leah Kasler, their captain, headed off to the Gold Coast. Sam Virgo headed to the Gold Coast. Jackie Yorston headed to the Gold Coast. Paige Parker headed to the Gold Coast. Well, the last one leaving please turn off the... Lights.
1: <laughs> it, it is kind of a swinging door, there, isn't it? Just um, look. I think they knew that that was going to happen. You know, with the with Gold Coast coming in, they probably um, probably weren't um, looking to see those players come down to Melbourne, like Kate McCarthy and Nat Exon coming home, I guess. Um, but I guess they're, they're just the rules, unfortunately, and they have been pinged a fair bit. I think, um, they've got some good key players that are still with the team, like Emma Zielke and, you know, Wuschner. Um, without a doubt, Lauren Now will be driving them forward up there. I just think that they've probably been pilfered a little bit too much to, um, to, to be, you know, competitive. Having said that, you know, they've got Adelaide's first game. There's a chance to go out there and just stamp their authority and say, you know, it's what we're doing the off season. And um, Craig is a very smart coach. He knows women's football very, very well. So, um, yeah, round one could be an interesting
2: match uh, what's intriguing is that the players that they've picked up if you begin first of all by Bodie uh, they picked up from a soccer background who kicked uh, two goals in her first game uh, in the QAFLW competition they picked up Ola O'Dwyer a Gaelic footballer out of the cross coders program they got Rhianne Lug out of Adelaide so someone from the premiership team Sophie Conway they get back because she did an ACL prior to the season last year so Conway is back in the team. And if you look at the under-18 talent that they picked up or the, the the best talent available also in the QAFLW, they had picks 3, 15, 16, 17, 20, and they picked up Possilthwaite, Dawes, Fark, Hillman, Bellinger. Uh, they got Selena Goodman now, Selina Priest back. They picked up some handy footballers. The question is, as a unit, are they handy enough to try and make that step into the finals?
1: Yeah, well I think this is part of um, Craig's knowledge with the development programs up there and I think that's what he's done is he's picked these young players that he knows really well and uh, you know certainly he'll be able to mold them into a really good unit with the rest of his lion squad. And I, I don't think they'd have any problems stepping up and playing his structures at all.
2: The question is, is it a concern that they haven't been able to recruit this year a couple of Victorians or, um, or those from SA or WA to try and beef up that Queensland talent they've got on the list?
1: Well, the Queensland League has been um, pretty strong the last couple of years as well. Mm. Um, and I just think, yeah, the way Craig coaches, I, I don't think you need those Victorians up there. I think he's got, you know, a pretty good base to make the selections. And I think these young girls, These young talents that that, uh, he's just picked up, I think they'll show that they're just as good as the youngsters from um, the Victorian comp.
2: The one thing that intrigues me about this round one clash, and we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks' time when we get you for your kiss of death, um, is (laughs) the Adelaide Crows and Brisbane Lions. Game one out of the blocks really will tell the story for both sides. If the Adelaide Crows win... They'll look at it as, okay, we've won without a strong side with players to come back. So that's one win in the bank that can help them get into the finals where maybe three or four wins will be enough to do the job. For the Brisbane Lions, on the other hand, if they beat the Adelaide Crows in that opening game, A, it'll do damage to the reigning premiers of, oh, dear, you know, they've lost to a week in Brisbane side. But then it may give Brisbane a bit of confidence to try and roll on and, and make the finals. Because uh, my, my gut says... Brisbane are being underestimated.
1: Yeah, interesting to say that. Um, If if how I look at it, um, with my crystal smoky ball, I think if Brisbane win, absolutely will give them, you know, some confidence to carry on through. If Adelaide don't win that first game, I reckon they've got enough players with enough experience and talent that they will be able to bounce back a lot better Round 2 than if Brisbane suffered a loss in Round 1. I just think they've got that experience. They can sort of go back to Dornborn and go, you know what? We didn't do good. We were beaten. Let's do this now. And I think um, I think, yeah, you'll get a better Adelaide team coming out if they happen to lose Round 1.
2: Brisbane, likely or unlikely to make the finals?
1: <laughs> unlikely.
2: Let's go to the third team in conference as we go through alphabetically. We go with the Geelong Cats, who managed to uh, get into the finals last year before being uh, sent packing very uh, easily by the Adelaide Crows. Uh, They're back again with uh, Melissa Hickey once again at the helm, leading the side. Uh, They lost uh, Hannah Birchall, was delisted, then picked up by um, Richmond. Mia Ray Clifford was a surprising delisting. She's now over at uh, Fremantle. They also delisted commentary for... Bogus, uh, Treveen and Aaron Hoare. Interestingly, they put down as a retirement but it's a semi-retirement. She's overseas. No, he's studying but a baby on the way as well. So, you know, uh, Aaron Hoare could be back. So not retired. Just a uh, temporary halt to the career. For the Inns, they picked up Millie Brown, a father-daughter. Then they got Gemma Wright, one of the Wright twins out of uh, Carlton, Garner, Skinner, uh, McDonald and McGuire, who are both off their VFLW list. So when you sit down and look at it, um, the cat's not overly active when it comes to trades or anything like that. A very steady side. Do we see them at least holding their position where they were last year of being a finals contender?
1: I actually think they will. I think um, there'll be a whole another season wiser, um, and you know I think. With Mel having you know a bit more time to run on that knee, I think will be a huge improvement for them. Um, they'll have Nina back as well. Mm. Um, I think asta has been running around a fair bit because um, she had a bit of knee trouble last year as well. So um, so I think these are some key players that will come back in. And with the youngsters, they'll just be a whole another year-wise. They've mostly spent the BfL season together, and you know without a doubt, that's another part of development towards the AFRW. So um, I think they will hold their own. And, um, you know, they've got a couple of exciting rookies coming in too. So um, I think I think they're going to go all right.
2: Having a look at their run, it's a very interesting one for the Cats coming up. Uh, we know in their opening game they're on the rope. So they're taking on Fremantle over there, which will be a an interesting one. That long trip, but Fremantle, of course, have been gutted because obviously they're now sharing their talent pool with the West Coast Eagles. They then have Brisbane and Adelaide that we talked about respectively, uh, weekend sites at home. So a uh, potential to be, uh, uh, I'd say, 2-1 and one would be the most likely record they'd be at. Then all of a sudden they have, um, uh, as I look towards round four, they've got a road trip up to Bendigo against Richmond, could be two and two or three and one. Then they have to play the Gold Coast Suns, which you would say on paper, oh yeah, they could beat the Gold Coast Suns, but they've got to go to Mackay. Um, that, that's not that's not an envious road trip of, hey, let's drive down to uh, Tullamarine Airport, then fly all the way up to uh, Mackay and play a game up there and then fly back the next day. They'll have the Red Hot Kangaroos at home on their home deck. Um, also coming up, the Cats will play the Giants at GWS, uh, the Giants Stadium, um, and then they will round out the season by playing Collingwood of, GMHBO Stadium. So they've got four home games. If they can convert those four home games into wins, they should get through to the finals, but it's not an envious road trip, particularly that Mackay and Fremantle trip they've got in there.
1: Yeah, that's um, definitely going to going to test their um, ability to spend time together probably. But um, at home, you know, they're used to playing at home. So um, I, I I would fear them playing at GMHTA Stadium. Um, I think... Having, you know, the, that kind of a start and then getting Adelaide round three, I think will set them up for the rest of the year as well. Because, uh, you know, after Adelaide, they've got Richmond who are pretty new, pretty young size. So I think they'll go all right. Um, and I don't know that they'll go to Tullamarine. Can they not fly from Avalon?
2: Maybe. I'll have to check Jetstar. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'd, be a, it'd be a lot easier for them uh, if they could. But it's interesting to note as well that they've made finals you could say that in their last three campaigns the vflw grand final of 2018 the aflw semi-final of 2019 uh, and the vflw elimination final of 2019 so they are consistent if you're talking either vfl or aflw level and as we know quite a number of the aflw list is playing in their vflw side
1: yeah, exactly, and um, and that's why I wouldn't write them off. I just think they've got enough experience in there, and they have been consistent. They're not knowing um, for being a high-scoring team, but having said that, they just managed to also stop or stifle the other team from scoring a lot of goals as well, apart from the odd game here and there. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't write Geelong off at all.
2: And as you said, with Nina Morrison coming back, it'll be interesting to see what her impact is because we look at a very similar number one draft pick who did an ACL and then came back. Izzy Huntington, as we know, did her ACL in her second game playing for the Western Bulldogs. Came back last year. Hasn't been what I call dominant or absolutely destroying sides like a Maddie Prespakis, for example, at Carlton or the devastating impact a Chloe Malloy could have uh, at uh, Collingwood or an Ebony Marinoff at the Adelaide Crows. So I guess uh, everyone watches with weighted breath of... She was very promising in that debut game that she had uh, for the Cats against the Pies. If she can maintain that level, or will it take some time for Nina to get to the um, heights that we all expect that she can reach?
1: Yeah, I think um, because she's so young as well, and she's um, probably lucky in that when she did her ACL, she was you know had Mel Hickey there, sort of looking after her and nurturing her, and um, you know, sort of sharing rehab tips. As well, and so I just think that kind of youthfulness. I think she'll bounce back pretty good, and she'll be busting to get out there and um, and play the kind of football that we're expecting to see. But you know, the football that she was playing beforehand too. So, um, yeah, I think she'll be she'll be wearing to go.
2: Cats likely Cats. or unlikely to make the finals? Likely. Let's go across to the Gold Coast Suns. They are making their debut uh, in the AFLW this year. They will be placed into Conference A as uh, we have a look at some of the notable names in their list because everything's in in. There is no outs. Um, of course, some of the stars that do stand out for us, including uh, Jasmine Hewitt out of Adelaide, uh, Riley also uh, out of the Crow, so a couple of uh, premiership-quality talent there with them. Uh, they rated Brisbane for Bella Groves Little, Howard, Kaslar, Parker, Pittman, Virgo and Yorston. They pick up uh, Jordan Hickey who of course was the NT Thunder footballer that played, or uh, well, at least was on uh, Melbourne's list. They got Jamie Stanton back who was originally Brisbane then went via North Melbourne. They got the doc, Tiana Ernst and the Western Bulldogs. They picked her up because she's actually um, uh, being placed, I think it's the Royal Brisbane Hospital. She's working up there in uh, Queensland so uh, that made uh, sense for her to sign up with the Gold Coast. Uh, they also got um, uh, to their list. Uh, Brick Perry out of uh, GWS Giants. They managed to pick up as pick number 42. A couple of VFLW footballers, Lauren Rens. they picked up. They also picked up Taylor Thorne, who was coming out of the NT Thunder. Um, their latter picks in the draft resulted in Hammond, Watson, Dunn, uh, Hamilton, Heslop, Bruard and uh, uh, pregal So, how do you see this Gold Coast Sunside? Because as much as I see some Brisbane players in there, Kasler is the talent that stand out to us, also Virgo. It seems to be a young side that is going to take a while to gel and to have impact. It doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't seem to have that spine that can win them games when it gets down to the crunch. Yeah,
1: it, um, it'll be interesting to see how they do mould together. Um, I think having Tiana Ernst up there, what a huge grab that is. Mm. And I'm I'm certain she'll give a fair amount of direction. Well, I mean, she can play at either end, but I'm sure they'll use her through the back line. And um, so she'll provide a whole lot of that go forward and um, organisation for the young players. Um, Having so many Brisbane players too, without a doubt, I think that that game against the Lions is going – I'm sorry, 400 players. The game against the Lions will be – full of emotion and um, will be quite a good battle, I feel, on the field. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think these guys might go okay. Um, it'll be interesting, yeah, just to see how they – I don't know the coach very well at all, so I don't know um, how he can mold this. But, um, you know, I think he's he's got a fairly good list. He's got a fairly solid list, um, you know, with a mix of youngsters and some with experience. So um, if he can pull them all together, then um, – then I think they might have the edge over Brisbane.
2: We interviewed uh, the coach David Lake last year on the podcast who has a uh, background in coaching men's football in the QAFL up there in Queensland as well as Papua New Guinea's men's side in the International Cup. He was an assistant coach with the Brisbane Lions last few years under Craig Stasevich. So he does know some of those Brisbane players that he's got on his list and has got some relationships there. So um, it'll be interesting, like you said, how he moulds the side. But uh, for me, I, I kind of feel, like I said earlier, that this seems to be like a very young side of they. Can pick off a win or two here. That's good for them, but they are just missing um, some of that what I call marquee talent that can try and uh, get them over the line. So I guess that uh, begs the question to yourself, uh, Kiwi: likely or unlikely that the Suns make the finals? Oh,
1: I'm going to say unlikely. I think they're going to give it a good crack, but um, yeah, I just yeah, I don't think they've got enough power in, in that midfield and that's really where you're gonna win the game.
2: Their first game actually is a debut against the GWS Giants at Blacktown on Saturday, February 18th. And uh, talking about the Giants, they are the fifth team in this Conference A, as we go through in alphabetical order. We look at the uh, Giants list. This is who they've lost. They've lost Christina Bernardi to Richmond. Maddie Collier has gone to the West Coast Eagles. Then Courtney Gum retired, then unretired, and went to the Adelaide Crows. Phoebe Monahan has gone to Richmond. Ebonyo Day was delisted, then picked up by Collingwood. Britt Berry was delisted, then picked up by the Gold Coast. Emma Swanson was surprisingly delisted. And not only was she delisted, she was then picked up by West Coast and made West Coast captain. Who knows what that all means? Um, Ellie brushes has now obviously got uh, soccer duties. Amanda Ferrugia, that has got to hurt, retired. Um, and then also Whiteley was delisted. Tompkins was delisted. Um, Mackerel was originally delisted, then relisted. um, And Delma Gissu was um, uh, delisted. I should mention also with Whiteley, she was delisted, then relisted. Because you have uh, to delist a certain amount of players, but you can pick them up again. Which GWS can, because they have exclusive access to the New South Wales ACT pool. Let's talk about that one big name straight up. Amanda Ferrugia retiring. She did so at the start of preseason. Essentially lost the passion for the game, or at least lost... The, the passion or being able to make that commitment to do going through that full preseason to prepare for the AFLW. We know Alicia Eber can step up to be captain, but that, that, that's got a sting. That's got a sting losing the captain on the start of the season.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, you know, I think for myself and all fans of French and the Giants, it's um, it still hurts. Um. Uh. Like I've played with Fridge and she is 100% committed to her training and her team and her game. And, um, and you know, that's what she said is she just didn't feel she could give 100% anymore. And most players will, you know, still thrive or still play at 80% commitment. But Fridge is just one of these ones that she gives you everything and she asks everything from you. And, um, and she does it in such a positive manner. She's been a fantastic leader for the Giants. She, you know, I played under her a couple of seasons um, when she was captain and um, she's just got tremendous leadership ability and hopefully she'll still stay around the team and drive them off the field um, in that regard. And, yeah, sure, Alicia will um, fill the captain role, no problem at all. But, um, you yeah, know, I think just, yeah, a big loss, big personality. And for the Giants, um, such a huge ambassador she's been for them. She's a Western Sydney born and bred... Player who you know learnt the game at the age of about 26, I think it was. So, um, pretty common story for any or for many players in Sydney, which is slightly starting to change with our youngsters now playing the game. Um, But yeah, fantastic story. And you know, she's taken the game and promoted it through her school where she's a teacher at, which is really not um, kind of not a sport that they would play at this school, it's an all girls. Religious school, so um, you know she's just been a huge ambassador for the sport. Um, and yeah, I just yeah I think a big loss. Um, uh, playing wise, you know they'll probably they've got some good players around that can cover that position on the field. I just yeah think the loss is more in her personality and her leadership. Um, but yeah, you know Alicia, without a doubt, will will lead just as well. But um, yeah, I think they've just lost something a little bit special with. with coming out. Plus, you know, I now don't know what to wear to the games if I'm not wearing a fridge outfit.
2: <laughs> well, may I say with Amanda Ferugia, I will predict that uh, sooner rather than later, we will see her in the media, uh, at least on the AFLW coverage, because we know that she's an excellent communicator and very intelligent. And as I said, look out Keep an eye on your TV set. I reckon Amanda Ferugia will see on the AFLW coverage. Um, let's have a look at who's in. Jess Allen they picked up from Adelaide, who um, due to work commitments actually sat out the season. They picked up Maggie Gorman as their first pick, and they picked her out of the ACT competition. Uh, Lisa Stein, Lister, Mackerel, Goodsir, Garnett. Tally is back on the list up there sitting a year out. Hal Vorson, Whiteley, and Britt Tully, who was off the inactive list. And quite a number of those players, Players that did get picked up there, uh, Kiwi, for the GWS Giants participated in the VFLW Invitational matches that the GWS Giants played. From your perspective, how crucial were those five games that the GWS got to play against those Victorian sides?
1: Well, yeah, definitely crucial to to their development and being able to get some quality games in the winter. I think the VFL players who are in these AFL-aligned teams they get that extra bit of training. And, um, you know, when your season's eight games long, you really need to be playing in winter and playing quality matches. And so for the Giants, you know, those five games would have been really handy and given them a chance to work on a few things. Um, I talked to Alan a little bit in the offseason, and, you know, he sort of talked about some of the areas where they – did really well last year and some they probably didn't do so well in. So he's switching the focus a little bit. And so, you know, that's something that they, that we would have seen through the BFL games is is working on other areas of the field and um, certain with these other players that have come in as well. Um, and, you know, Privatelli I've watched her a couple of seasons playing in Sydney and she has just been outstanding in the forward line. I know she played a few games originally when she was listed in the AFLW in the back line but um, I think she's found herself at home in the forward line. A little bit like Meg McDonald from Geelong who's found, you know, her home in the back line. Privatelli's done it in the forward line and, you know, able to bang in goals from anywhere but takes a great grab. So um, she'll be up there with um, you know, with Jacinda Barclay and you know, hopefully Cora's making a really great comeback from her um, serious break in the leg and You know, Von Bonner as well. So pretty solid forward line, and they've got some handy midfielders bringing that ball forward. So, um, you know, I think the Giants. um, You know, most of them will get another year together and another year under Allen, and having that winter, I think uh, Giants will go right this year.
2: Uh, you mentioned about Previtali, um being in the defence and going forwards. Actually, as a junior, she was originally a full forward. And the first year we got to call her playing at the Darabin Falcons, she did play in the forward line So they swung her down back. And, of course, she played back at the Eastern Devils as well. The main reason why she swung down back at uh, Darabin was, A, they were losing a few of their defenders to retirement. And, B, you've kind of got players like Arnell Brennan and Vesio in the forward <laughs> line. So um, it was a bit crowded for getting a kick.
1: Yeah, so don't blame me. Get down the back and um, get your hands on the football. Uh, the but, one, um, but, yeah, no, she's doing well now.
2: The one interesting question right. out of that is, and it was observed over the weekend during one of the uh, tr- trial games or match simulations, as they're being called, is Jess Allen and Erin McKinnon uh, spent uh, virtually a 50-50 time split on who's going to be in the ruck. And that's going to be something that Allen is going to have to try and juggle there, that ruck time between aaron and Jess, or trying to mould one of them into playing another key position away from the ruck.
1: Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing is um, in the Sydney competition itself, Erin goes against Ingrid. So Ingrid was drafted to the Giants list last year and didn't get a lot of game time. Um, And usually in those Sydney AFL competitions, Ingrid often dominates Erin. So um, interesting, she hasn't really had too much of a run on in the Giants yet. But what he's got with Ingrid, she can actually play in the forward line or the back line. So she's a lot more versatile. Whereas I think probably Erin isn't, and Jess Allen coming in is probably I think she's a bit taller or close to Erin's height, but I think she's got a higher leap. Uh, But she's a little bit versatile as well. So if he's looking at you know giving Erin a spell, he's got the option of Ingrid or Jess. Um, But if he's looking at keeping Erin in there and making another tall either forward or back, I think he's got he's got that as a backup option. I don't think Erin's that kind of a player that goes forward too well. So, um, you know, much more someone you probably keep for the ruck area.
2: Giants, likely or unlikely that they make the finals? Ooh,
1: I'm going to say likely.
2: We're going to continue looking into Coach Kiwi's crystal ball coming up right after this.
1: Been playing
2: for a while Sweet Kicks Cause footy makes you smile Sweet Kicks football if you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks
1: Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website Sweet SweetKicksFootballAcademy.com Gotta go the extra mile. Sweet kicks football.
2: You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We're halfway looking through Conference A, and we're looking into Coach Kiwi's Crystal Ball on how the sides will fare in 2020. Let's go across to the Kangaroos, the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos, if we are to be yeah, correct on that terminology. The six out of seven teams in uh, Conference A. And for North Melbourne, they end up delisting Alison Drennan. Or, well, I shouldn't say delisting. She ended up being uh, traded out to St Kilda. Courtney Munn also went off to St Kilda. Jamie Stanton went to the Gold Coast. There were four delistings. These delistings were Moana Hope, Georgia Nanskorn, uh Smith and Williams. Uh, the players in for the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos include... Aileen Gilroy and uh, Mairead Showiger, a.k.a. The Big Show, uh, k footballers out of the CrossCoders program. The surprise number 10 draftee in Alec Gavales. They also picked up Matty King uh, out of uh, Tasmania. Tani Nesta, uh, who was originally at Carlton. They picked up through pick 64. Green and uh, Sarah Wright. So the North Melbourne Tassie Kangaroos. I remember... Um, being told by Scott Gowans, oh, look, you know, we got rid of Nanskor, we don't need another midfielder um, because, you know, we're really looking for key position players. And then they pick up a midfielder at number 10, and Ellie Cavalas is like, you lied to me there, Scotty. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, you know, I watched him play in the weekend and had a look at their two Irish players. They're quite handy. Um, so you can, you can kind of spot the Irish field, someone else is telling me by. Um, their funny drops and the way they kick around the corner. But um, you can also hear them talking on the field too and um, and the way they hold the ball when they're running, looking to pass. But, yeah, I think they've got a couple of good grabs there with the Irish. Um, Jess Duffin will be, you know, a bit of a loss mm. to them. Um, but, um, you know, they've got some versatile players who can go forward and back, you know, with Britt Gibson, um, Kate Gillespie-Jones. They can play either end of the field, Um they – uh can't think who their tall ruck is, but not Emma, Emma King. King so oh, they no. But not her. No, they've got another one. So they can use Emma forward as a, as a target. And they used her a bit last year, and she was quite handy in that role. Um, so they don't have to rely on her as a ruck. But, um, but yeah, I watched their game of the weekend, and they, they were very quick transitioning from their back line. Um, they, you know, they've got a lot of speed all over the field, so um, – if they can hold it, you know, we, we kind of – I think everyone thought that they would go really well last year and uh, they just seemed to hit a few hurdles in the game. So, um, And in the VFL season, they were sort of similar, but have real good parts of the game and then some areas they would just sort of um, stutter a bit. So I think that's the key for them is being able to just stay um, true to their form and true to their style, which at the moment looks like a very mobile, very quick um, – short sort of ball passing type of play. So um, they can stick with that. That could be very handy and very hard to beat.
2: Tani Nesta will certainly help them in defence. Sarah Wright will be interested to see if they swing her in defence or or swing her forward. Um, Of course, that's breaking up the Wright twins as well. Um, Jenna Bruton, as you mentioned, uh, uh, had a bit of the ball in their game against Collingwood or match simulation, if you like to call it that way, at Arden Street Oval. Speed being shown by Caitlin Ashmore as well. We know they've got the one and only Emma Carney who can rip things up. They've, of course, got uh, Jasmine Garn. Gunner, uh, there as well, who's uh, you know a gun down in the forward line, and um, just, you know a youngster who just keeps getting better and better and better every year that she plays. And, and as mentioned by Scott Gowans uh, last year when we spoke, yep. to him, thinks that Jasmine Garner will one day be an AFLW captain, rates her that highly. That they very, um, they were very unlucky not to make the uh, finals last year when it came down to that game against Frio over there. So I beg the question to you, the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos likely or unlikely to make the finals?
1: Yes, I'm going to say likely. I think they've got a good base and enough good players and their current system of play likely.
2: Their first game will be up against Melbourne at Casey Fields on Saturday, February 8th at 3.10pm. That will be a game live on 7 that is the return of Daisy Pearce that match. So that will be a very, very good game to watch. And that will tell us of uh, if the Kangaroos are going to go another notch. But from the video that I've seen from their match simulation against Collingwood, I reckon they have uh, kicked it up another gear. So to the final team in Conference A, the seventh team, they are also making their debut in 2020. It is the Richmond Tigers. They have announced uh, Katie Brennan will be their captain. Um, of course, Tom Hunter will be their coach. Some of the notable players that they have picked up include Sabrina Frederick, the former marquee at the Brisbane Lions, has moved down to Victoria. She played, of course, a number of VFLW games for them. Uh, other players that picked up include Phoebe Monahan out of G.W. Christina Bernardi out of GWS Ilish Ross out of Collingwood Hannah Birchall out of Geelong uh, they picked up Matty Catasano off the Melbourne list. As we said earlier, Katie Brennan out of the Western Bulldogs, Monique Conti out of the uh, Western Bulldogs. Uh, they picked up Whitford out of Collingwood through the draft. Um, and then, of course, they got a, a bunch of youngsters in there, including Gabrielle Seymour, who was a volleyballer who they managed to uh, mm-hmm. pre-sign. Laura Bailey was formerly a Western Bulldogs listed uh, player. They picked up Cleo Saxon-Jones, uh, who was highly touted there um, at, um, I believe, at Melbourne Uni that she played a couple of games. She has been picked up. Cincinnati, who played some games at Darabin. There's been some big raps around her. Um, and then, of course, the, their VFL-listed de- players, um, Jax, Edmonds, Miller, Stahl, who's been a gun for them up forward, Wakefield. Um, you, you look at their list, it, it's, it's, it's a very good list. If you look at individual players, the question is, does it click as a team?
1: Yeah, very good question um, You know, and I think for the most part A lot of them played together in the VFL And um, probably didn't finish as high as, as they would have expected either um, You know, they had, I think, Mon Conti back for about six or seven games And she dominated their points for them in the end um, So um, they've just got to be careful not to rely on a single player In that kind of, probably, you know, sort of style um, because she, but she'll be easily picked off by you know tagger or someone in the other team. Um, Katie Brennan is probably one of the best forwards in the competition, just the way that she is able to read the ball and get into really good positions. Um, but through the VFL they use her a lot as a midfield, so um, it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to put her in the midfield. Um, she's got a great kick on her, so her service to the forward line will be um. Most welcome. It's just a matter of you probably also want her on the end of those kicks so she can then keep the goals. Um, but yeah, they've got um, you know they've got some good youngsters in there. And you forgot to mention, or you maybe have not mentioned, Emma Horn and uh, Laura McLennan, who obviously Eastern Rangers girls. So I'll give them an extra cheer.
2: <laughs> and I should mention as well, their first pick, uh, pick number seven, Sophie Molan, who of course was uh, off uh, the Western Bulldogs VFLW list.
1: Yeah, so I think they've done a pretty a pretty good job of getting around and getting players from other teams. Um, you know, they've taken some really good good um, players, without a doubt. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that they're going to have the star power through that midfield to drive that ball forward. Um, sort of similar in the way of what Brisbane have. You know, they've got a mix of some very handy players and a mix of youngsters. Um, and you know. I think just for Tom, it might be um, a good challenge for him to be able to get these guys stepping up the next level. And I think he found it quite tough in the VFL. And I think what, they finished about sixth or seventh. Um, so probably they were hoping to finish a little bit higher than that. But they just had a couple of games that maybe, you know, one or two individuals may have made an error here and there and it just cost them the um, victory in the end. And 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 that's the challenge with AFLW is when you're paying eight rounds, you can't afford to, you know, make one mistake that then you're losing a, go- a game by less than a goal. So um, so that'll be their challenge. That'll be, you know, definitely something that they need to work on and um, be able to lift. And, you know, he's had them for the VFL and now the summer of, you know, pre-season. So there's always that opportunity that he's, you know, been developing that part of the game too. So, for, from,
2: um, from what I saw out of their VFLW games, and mind you, coaches can be experimenting in the VFLW, is there's some players that look like a liability in the forward line. There's others that look good. Talia Stahl-Smith was one of them. She was quick and dangerous, particularly as the game of AFL the AFLW speeds up. She looked quick and dangerous, someone that could work the pocket. That was good. And then you needed someone who's quick and dangerous in, in the goal square. I looked at things and I went, for example, Sabrina Frederick, I thought, geez, when when the contest, when the ball's on the ground, she can make a big impact and crash people or when the ball's high up for a mark. But on a lead, she's a liability. And if the ball's not coming in, well, to her direction, a player, a defensive player can run off of her. And I always felt that maybe she's actually better as a pinch hit ruck like she was at stages with the Brisbane Lions. I look at Katie Brennan, who wants to play in the midfield. That's the reason she moved from the Western Bulldogs to Richmond. She wanted more time in the midfield. She gets a bit of the ball in the midfield, but is it making the desired impact for her side? A bit like how Mo Hope was playing at Williamstown in the VFLW. Got a lot of possessions. It didn't really result at the end of the day on a scoreboard impact. I think Katie Brennan looks more dangerous back at her natural home, as much as it may frustrate her at centre half forward. We saw that when it was near the end of that elimination final against the Western Bulldogs, when unluckily they didn't have anyone there to take a mark at the goal square, but she put it in a very dangerous spot where if they had that marking talent, bang, mark goal, game over. I, I look at the players and I go, they've got the pieces of the puzzle, but are those players happy to go and uh, make the sacrifices to go into the positions? that fit that makes sense. And after the Bulldogs um, uh, handled them quite easily in that practice match or match simulation, as they call it, at Punt Road Oval, I worry that it's not quite everyone on the same page.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, someone like Katie Brennan, you'd you'd almost really want to put her in the forward line because if Sabs is also up there, Sabs is most likely to take the taller defender of the two, which should... Free Katie up because she's quite good in the air and um, you know, and she's not small. She's a really good size as well. So, yeah, you'd you'd almost want to really try and convince her to be in the forward line, um, and it just then would rely on you know perhaps your monconti's or you know some some solid players coming out of that midfield that can feed her the ball. Um, Talis still, you know, she she did start the BFL season off really well early on, and then kind of, I don't know if she just. Backed off a little when the AFLW players came back in those games, or she found it a great challenge. Um, but she probably didn't have as much of an impact as she did early in the season. So, you know, maybe she is using the off season to freshen up again. And maybe she'll come back out firing. Um, but, yeah, you know, and they've got some quicks. And I guess the challenge for the likes of um, SABs as well is there are a lot of players that are quick in the other team. So, you know, can she adjust her game so that? Um, the speedsters aren't beating her. And, um, and yeah, obviously with the turnover, can she get back and defend as well? So, yeah, there's a few um, a few options that they, they can have in that forward line. And, um, you know, Laura McClellan um, is very handy as a forward. She's also very handy in the back line. So there's another option that they could use either end of the field as well, and she's a very handy left footer. Well, so, yeah.
2: You just mentioned then that forward setup of Frederick and Stahl and you're 100% right on that. When Frederick came in and we saw those couple of games, early games, where Sabrina Frederick was playing at full forward, it did, at at that stage, again, the coaches could be experimenting with the game plan, but it seemed a bit one-dimensional where they were going to Sabrina Frederick and that kind of threw Stahl out of, Okay, what am I doing? Where am I playing? When she was the focal target in a smaller forward line setup. So, again, it, it could all come out different with the AFLW with a completely different game plan as, again, VFLW can be experimental, but as uh, as I pointed <laughs> yeah. out earlier, it does it it, it deem like I mentioned earlier, it did seem like they've got the right players, but have they got them in the right positions? Have they got the right pieces of the puzzle?
1: And that could be the exciting bit for Tom too. He's, you know he's got a few perhaps different scenarios he can play with, and if one isn't working, I think he's got a you know a fairly solid backup plan. Um, whichever way he goes round with those, so yeah, it could be exciting times for Richmond. The, the, um, and as a club, you know, exciting that they're in the AFLW anyway. They've got a huge supporter base. So um, it'll be a good year for them.
2: The one, one, the one decision they might be judged by um, come the end of the season is the interesting call when the recruiter recruited herself. That is Lauren <laughs> Tesseriero who did her ACL, said she's going to play this season without the ACL. So they're taking a gamble. <laughs> if it works, well, they're geniuses. If it doesn't there's going to be some criticism.
1: Yes, most certainly. And I'm sure there'll be a few extra eyes watching Lauren to see how she goes. Um, But, you know, from what I gather, I've I've met her a couple of times and I know a little bit of her reputation. I think she's been around long enough. She knows the game well enough. Um, She'll know her body probably better than anyone else. So I'm certain she wouldn't have put herself in that role if she didn't feel she could, you know, excel or she wasn't, you know, beating some of the team. Um, already at training and stuff so um, you know I think as much as you know many may be watching her to see why she recruited herself I, I think um, you know she would know that um, she hasn't made a mistake in doing that she's just you know done it because she feels she is as competitive as the others on the team and you know we don't get to see their results at training in their 2k runs or you know how hard their sessions are so I'm certain if she wasn't keeping up with the rest of the pack, she wouldn't have done that. So, um, you know, I, I think her experience will, um, will probably be a plus with the young girls on the team too. And um, and you know, she's worked with Tom a couple of seasons now. So, um, you know, I think I think it'll be a good a good move for them. Um, and yeah, I think she'll know if those knees can handle it or not. And you know, a lot of people do. A lot of people do last running around football games or soccer games or netball games without an ACL. So if she's been doing it a while, she knows if she can do it or not. So um, hats off to her.
2: The Richmond Tigers, likely or unlikely that they can make finals?
1: I'm going to go, because of the competition in this pool, I'm going to go unlikely.
2: So the teams in Conference A, Adelaide, Brisbane, Geelong, Gold Coast, GWS, North Melbourne, Tasmania and the Richmond who are the three in your crystal ball that will proceed to the finals?
1: Um, I'm going to say Adelong, uh, Adelaide. Sorry. Adelaide Giants and North Melbourne. Um, I'd only put Geelong in fourth because they just don't get enough gold. Adelaide,
2: yeah, yeah. GWS and the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos making it through. Coach Kiwi, thank you very much for your time and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we take a look at the Conference B teams and the three sides you think. That will make it through to the finals. This year, of course, is a top six. The top three teams from Conference A and Conference B will play off in the finals. The top team in each conference earning the first week bye. That wraps up Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival for yet another week. Don't forget we air every Wednesday evening from 6 pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And we're available later as a podcast when you go to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or the iHeartRadio website or app. Just Search for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio Podcast and you can find the program. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash WARF radio and facebook.com forward slash WARF radio. And don't forget our website at WARF I'm Peter Holden. Until next week, it's bye for now.